Hey everybody, doing okay? Byron and Becky are, uh, you know, in Wilmington this weekend doing the wedding for Matt Boyd and not Matt Boyd. What am I thinking? He's already married. Uh, it all runs together. For old what's their face? Yeah, Amber Brown. <laughs> You're rubbing off on me, Amber Brown and Sam. So I'm sure they're having a great time. There's some other folks down there, Andy. And, and Addison, Heather, some people, another team are at uh, the branch this morning doing worship. So, uh, Lord help them. I guess they're probably going or done or whatever. So, uh, anyway, so I get another shot here. I get another shot at you guys. So, I just enjoy and appreciate every opportunity the Lord gives me to uh, deliver the word this morning. So, I want to start off by uh, telling you the story I heard this week. Um, I was uh, listening to Bill Johnson's podcast, actually, and uh, he told this story. There was this, uh, these, in their youth ministry, they're training teenagers how to go out and evangelize, you know, how to go out and, and uh, share the gospel and stuff. Through doing these things they call treasure hunts, you know, some of you guys are familiar with that, which is basically just before you go out, you get together and sit down and ask the Lord to give you some words of knowledge. Maybe sometimes people will get a shirt color or you know, just anything the Lord wants to give you, and then you go out to wherever the Lord leads you and look for those things, and the Lord will just lead you into some kind of ministry. So uh, there were these two girls, a 16 and 17-year-old girls, and uh, they, were gonna, they were being trained to do this, and they were, they were going to go out to do it, but honestly, they were absolutely terrified. You know, <laughs> How many people have ever like, wanted to go out and do evangelism, but it was like you couldn't move because of fear? You know, it was like you're the world's greatest evangelist in your prayer closet. You know, it's just when you step out of the prayer closet, you have challenges, you know what I'm saying? And uh, you know all the right words to say, every right prayer to pray until you actually get to somebody. You know, then you kind of, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, so uh, they went out to the mall, you know, and uh, I guess where teenage girls evangelize. And they went out there, and uh, they actually, they were so scared. They were just trembling. They, they thought, well, I'll tell you what, um why don't we just go shopping? You know, they kind of chickened out, decided to save it for another day. So they just went about and decided to go shop. And uh, they, were looking for some, uh, they were looking at some sunglasses or something. And they looked over and there was like this seven-year-old boy who was looking at these yellow sunglasses. And by the way, one of the things they had got when they got together to pray before they went to the mall was the color yellow or something like that. And so... They, uh, they noticed something about this seven-year-old boy that he couldn't talk. Like, he, he couldn't speak in whole sentences. And uh, so when they saw him looking at yellow sunglasses, they looked at each other like, uh-oh. We've got to do something now. You know, they were busted. And so, and so they finally got up the nerve to ask the mom of the boy if they could pray for him and found out due to something like autism, I don't know the, all the details, but... This boy hadn't been able to speak in complete sentences, you know, up to seven years old. And so they prayed for him, and the boy was instantly healed and began to speak in complete sentences right there in the mall, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I was telling my wife that story on the way here, and she goes, I want to be a part of that, you know. And I said, baby, you are a part of that. You are a part of that. We are a part of the great move of God that's going on on the earth. Because, it, you know, there's not a such thing as like Bill Johnson's church and our church. We're the church. Amen? So we can go out there and 
raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. That's our commission. That's what we've been called to do. And that's what we go to do. You know, and our job is to do it. And it's God's job to, our job is to pray and it's God's job to do it. Amen. So, uh, you know, one of the painfully sweet things about, you know, things like what just happened in Matt's passing in, that is such a testimony, I think, of the revival culture that God's birthing in the church as whenever somebody passes away, the first immediate thought of the church corporately is, let's go raise them from the dead. And I'm like, wow, I was so blessed by that. I mean, that's got to be unusual. <laughs> let's go raise them from the dead. And, you know, God is birthing something in us that is absolutely phenomenal. Amen. And so it's just exciting to be a part of. Uh, let's turn to Colossians chapter 3 this morning. And uh, I got three separate passages here that I want to look at. And then and we're going to trust the Spirit of God to link them all together. <laughs> so, thank you, Lord, for that. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence. Thank you for your, your world. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to earth and you released the kingdom of heaven realm into our midst. You said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We just appreciate that, Lord. We thank you for giving us access into the heavenly realms, that it's our inheritance, that the, the veil has been rent. We can step boldly, no matter where we are, we can step boldly before the throne of grace. We can step right into the Holy of Holies. We can have a relationship with you, Daddy, personally and intimately. We just thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. Colossians 3.1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You know, I asked Byron this week, he's been preaching about the supernatural realm, the spirit world, you know, basically, you know, trying to convince us that this is the Bible, this is Christianity 101, this is where we're meant to live from, that everything that's contained in the heavenly realm from angels and, you know, all these things, that's part of the package, Right? So I asked him this question at lunch one day. I said, Byron, I was like, after these two or whatever years that, that you've been preaching this and going after it, do you feel like as a church we've kind of bought into this theology? Do you, you know, that kind of thing. And he said, well, he said, by and large, yeah, I think, I think we have. He said, I think the, uh, the difficulty comes, or the most common question, I guess, he said that he gets from us, from you guys, is, well, I believe this, I understand this, I know it to be true, but how do I access it? You know, how do I practically live from the heavenly realm? Has anybody ever wondered that, asked it out loud or in your own mind, you know? I think we probably all have thought that, you know? And I just want to give you one practical piece of advice, okay? And that, that goes like this, and this, I was thinking about that this week, is how many of you, even this morning, as we go into a corporate time of worship, the room, the people around you, the worry, the cares of life kind of melts away. 
You know what I'm saying? Maybe you close your eyes, you lift your hands, or you just sit quietly in your seat with your eyes closed, just focusing in worship and singing praises to God. Do you know what it feels like for everything just kind of melt away and before you know it, you just kind of forget where you are for a moment because you're so enthralled in His praises and His worship? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, my problem is I get to that place and then all of a sudden the baby spits up, you know, or, you know, or something like that. Or one of my kids is like beating the other one, you know, and it requires some attention. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So whether it's your young kids, your teenagers, or just a worry of life or some problem that, you know, gets you out of the glory zone there for a minute... This is all a challenge that we have, but what I want to say to you is Colossians 3 says, set your mind and set your heart. Set your affections. That glory realm there, that supernatural kingdom realm is right there accessible for us. All it takes is setting our minds and setting our hearts on those things. Amen? The mind obviously speaks of this thing right here that is the gateway to the supernatural. The heart speaks of our affections. You know, the things that, our emotions, the, the soul realm, so to speak. Be thankful. We'll see this here in a moment. Alright, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but let's continue on here. Colossians 3, 1, or starting in verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Steve was pointing out to me this morning, he just mentioned this verse prior to the, the service this morning, I thought, hmm, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> I wonder if that's the Lord, <laughs> since that's my text this morning. Anyway, he said, Bob Jones says, says this, that when it says set your mind on things, it means settle your mind on things. It's settled. It's established. You know, settle your mind on this, on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. How many people believe that, that you're dead? What are you dead to? You're dead to your old man, right? Your old man has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever things belong to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Now wait a second. He's saying that we died to ourselves, yet put away these things. Why is that? Because our old man was crucified, but the flesh we still battle with. Right? There's still the law of the flesh that is still you know, battling. So Paul's encouraging us, put these things away. Put away, what does it say here? Maybe these we need to pay attention to. I'm not trying to go meddling or anything, but... Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew... 
circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Amen? Bear with each other. Bear with each other. (laughs) Bear with each other. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgives you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Let the shalom of Christ, let the wholeness of Christ, body, soul, and spirit, let it rule in you. Amen? Let it rule your hearts. You know there's power in the name of Jesus, by the way. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. There's salvation in the name of Jesus. So let that rule in your hearts and minds. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. There's the worship, right? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Those are all different and separate things, by the way, but that's another teaching on worship. But there it is right there. The Lord is enthroned in our praises. Whatever opportunity you have to just enter into worship. You know, like it struck me that Judy was saying as they were worshiping before they came to worship. No. Before I worship, let me get prepared by worship. You know, as we go through our day just worshiping even in our hearts, it doesn't necessarily require music. You see, that's... That's what I think one of the uh, secrets there of accessing the supernatural realm outside of a corporate worship setting or even with any worship music on at all is just learning to focus your mind and your heart in worship. Are you following me? Even in complete silence or even with things going on around you. You know, um, you could be nailing nails you know, in construction or something and still be in a, in a heart of worship still accessing the heavenly realm. Amen? So come and sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. There's that thanksgiving, isn't it? Be thankful, he said, with gratitude. How many people have ever overcome stinking thinking with an attitude of gratitude? If you've got only one thing you can find in your life to be thankful for, Pick that and thank God for it as often as you can. And every time that stinking thinking tries to attack you, go back to that. Lord, I thank you for my car. It's broken down, but I've got a car. Thank you, God, for that vehicle. Did you know about 95% of the people in the whole world, on the whole planet, will never own a car? It's a true story. Has anybody ever been to a third world country? (laughs) You know, that's true. And then we come home and I've got two of them. You know, and you probably do as well, right? I mean, thank you, God, for whatever it is. I thank you. I thank you and I worship you for who you are. Because you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm glad that Jesus possesses the victory. 
Aren't you? I mean, I'm just really thankful for that, that it's done, it's finished, He's established it, He said it, and that's it. The victory is won. Amen? So we just worship You, Jesus, for You have got the victory. You are the King of glory. The enemy's been defeated. Death couldn't hold Him down. However the rest of the song goes. We'll lift our voice in victory. We'll make our praises what? Loud! We like getting loud. (laughs) Maybe a little too much, but it's all good. Not too much. Can't be loud enough. I I think the Bible's loud. Like, when I read the Bible, it's just loud. I I don't know. It says loud. Shout! You know? So those of you with sensitive ears, we do apologize for your sensitive ears, not for being loud. No. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it what? Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. By the way, let me remind you of something. Paul says in verse 1, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Let me remind you in another one of his letters written around the same time, in the book of Ephesians, he says that, Praise be to God who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Then he goes on and says that Christ was seated at His right hand in the heavenly realms. And then it goes on in chapter 2 and says, Therefore, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. So that's our background here for Colossians 3.1, that because of that, set your hearts, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated. Now this is interesting. Do you know where Paul was when he wrote these words? Yeah. Judy and Jerry, have you been to that location in Colossae? Or where, not, not in Colossae, but yeah, where he was? He was writing to the Colossians. Huh? What's it like there? Do, do you remember seeing that place? I mean, where he was in prison. From what I understand, Byron was telling me he has a friend who visited this location. No, I'm talking about where Paul was in prison when he wrote this. Is, yeah, is that it was like basically a dark, damp hole. It's what it is what it looked like. I can imagine in that scenario there's probably rats running around. Just a horrible, horrible place. And he wrote books like Coloss- or letters like Colossians and Philippians, which is all about the joy of the Lord. You know, whether I abound or whether I abase, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I mean, how do you write that? In a hole in the ground, basically, or a, a, a deep dark dungeon or whatever the the, the setting is. How do you write that? Access heaven. Last, I think it was last Sunday, I was watching 60 Minutes, and there was a story on about this prison called Supermax in America. I think it's, I don't know, New Mexico or something. But this is the, like the ultimate, 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 ultimate security prison. And uh, they have prisoners there who have literally not spoken, seen, had any contact with another human being for seven years. And uh, this one guy who was there for a short time and was able to, they were able to get an interview with, 
He said, Supermax has mastered the torture of isolation. He said, it's absolutely the worst thing. I thought, Lord, what would I do if for, you know, for some unknown reason I ever ended up in a place like that? How, how would I survive without going insane? Access the heavenly realms. A physical location in the spirit realm cannot keep you there. You can access the heavenly realms in Christ and, and, and escape that cell. And I believe that's what Paul was trying to teach here is, hey, look, guys, here's where I'm at, but I'm not really here. Because in Christ, you know, I can escape these things. I can, I can be thankful. I can worship. I can sing. I can, I can write songs, whatever it is. I can write letters to you guys. You know, whatever it is. It's such a powerful key, isn't it? All right, let's flip over to 1 Samuel chapter 30. At first, this is going to seem a, real, a little unrelated, but just bear with me here. 1 Samuel chapter 30. It's a story about David and his mighty ex-convicts, 600 of them, <laughs> David and his mighty men. And uh, let me just, before this passage here, David's had a really bad day, actually a really bad month, or 16 months. Uh, here's how bad it is. Um, you remember the Philistines? Who were the Philistines? They were like David and Israel's arch enemies, right? They were like the worst guys on the planet. It had to be like, you remember David fought Goliath, who was a Philistine, the, the uncircumcised, nasty old excuse for a human being, you know, or whatever David called him. And uh, it would be like, um, well, just to put it in modern terms, it would be kind of like Al Qaeda, you know, for us. Like they were viewed as that bad. Because Saul was after David for so long and for so much, he actually went and like hit out with Al-Qaeda. That's a bad day. Huh? <laughs> like, you are so loathed and unwanted in the United States that like you move to, I don't know, Afghanistan or something and like chill in an Al-Qaeda stronghold. That's a really bad day. Well, it gets worse because the Philistines were going out to war and David and his 600 men thought, well, that's a pretty cool opportunity. I think we'll just tag along. So they were kind of bringing up the rear, you know, of the huge multinational force that was coming out about against Israel. You know, and I don't really know what David had in mind here as to whether he was actually going to fight against the Israelites or not. I kind of seriously doubt it. But just for the sake of just bear me this liberty, they're like in the back of the army and they're thinking, well, we're, we're fighting men. You know, we're warriors. So anybody that happens to like, make it through this whole line of this huge multinational force, maybe we'll get a piece. You know, maybe we'll get to do some battle, go to war, waste some time, you know, get our mind off things. We're in this bad situation. Well, what was so bad, though, the Philistines look at them, they're like, you guys aren't coming with us. They're like, what do you mean? No, no, we don't even want you. you know, so it's bad enough that they had to hang out with the Philistines it's even worse that the Philistines didn't even want them to fight with them, you know? So they send them back to this town they had given them to hang out in called Ziklag. 
So this is where we pick up in chapter 30. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. That's a lot of mourning, isn't it? They wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. They'd just come home. They, for all they know, everybody's dead. And their houses are burned to the ground. Everything's destroyed. A really bad day and week just got worse. Verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were now talking of stoning him. It's getting even worse, isn't it? Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. So they're going to turn on each other. They're going to turn on David. But here's the key. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength where? In the Lord his God. I don't know if anybody is, likes boxing or not. I know that's a pretty um, violent pagan sport that nobody in here would ever participate in indulging their entertainment in. But... Or like the Rocky movies, you know. In every movie, Rocky Balboa is absolutely getting his brains beat in. You know, whether it's Apollo Creed or the Russian in Rocky IV. I mean, the guy is just getting blasted the whole time. Until he's just sitting there like on the ropes, you know. And uh, I don't know, for many of you and for me... This season that we've been in has been kind of like that, in a sense. You know, it's like taking one blow after another. And, uh, you know, like, David and, uh, not David, Nate and Stacy's baby, you know. Oh, Tonda gets healed with stage four cancer, boom! You know, you're trying to come back. And then Barry, ah! Oh, and then Matt, oh! until you're just kind of hanging on the ropes. But David found strength where? In the Lord his God. And it's like the Spirit of God rises up in me, just made this personal, and Matthew finds strength in the Lord his God. And Rocky comes up off the ropes. dun da da dun da da dun da 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 dun da 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 Dun, 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 dun. Greater is he that's in me. Boom. He has overcome the world. Boom. He's defeated death. Uppercut. Boom. All of a sudden, you start to fight back. You start fighting back so hard, you put the enemy on his tail. Because I'm determined this is the ground that God has given me and you. This is our ground. This is our territory. The enemy has no right to it. Amen? So if one thing, if there's one resolve within me 
after the tragedy with Matt, it's in his honor and in his memory to fight back. Like to fight back against the enemy and not allow the enemy to get me all down and, well, I'm just going to, you know, kind of settle in. I love God, but my theology doesn't really believe in healing. And, you know, I just don't, I believe that passed away with the apostles. And let's just love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. What kind of Christianity is that? You know? And I just feel like that's not what my friend died for. But that's not what Christ died for. Amen? So let River Life Fellowship find strength in the Lord their God. Amen? How do we find it? Set your mind, set your heart on things above. Not on earthly things, but on the things above. Be strengthened, Paul said that. Be strengthened in your inner man. Amen? So that's how these two passages are related, okay? Now I want to share one other passage. What I've talked to you about is the day-to-day, setting your mind and heart, the season we've been through currently. Now I want to talk about something that the Lord has for us just over the next hump. Is that good? All right, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And this is the last thing. I heard an amen back then. No, <laughs> Actually, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, sorry, verse 7. The glory of the new covenant. The glory of the new covenant. Now, if the ministry that brought death which was engraved on letters of stone, came with glory. What ministry was that? That was the Ten Commandments of the ministry of the Old Covenant, right? If it came with glory, so the Israelites Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was. All right, now let me stop for a second. This word glory here, now it can mean a lot of things. It can mean the majesty of God, the renown of God. You know, there's all of who God's greatness and who He is. But in this case, if we interpret this literally, okay, and in, a, in another message a few weeks ago, you may remember when I was talking about the glory, we can go back to Exodus 34 and look at what that literally means, okay? So I'm interpreting this literally, which I would submit is, is good to do here, is fine to do here in this interpretation. Now, if it came with glory, and then it explains what it was... I describe it as radiant glory, right? Moses was meeting with God, and all of a sudden he came out and his face just shone so wonderfully and powerfully that the Israelites, even though their destiny was supposed to be to share in that, they decided, no, you go ahead and do it, Mo. Just tell us what he says. Well, actually, they got even more scared than that. They didn't want to get close to him because they were terrified of the glory of God because it does bring the fear of the Lord. That's one thing. When we're asking, show me your glory, come glory, you know, rain down on us, be careful what you ask for. Because there is an element of the fear of the Lord, a big element, that comes in every major move of God and the manifest glory of God. So fading though it was, let's go to the next verse. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? 
If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, the Old Covenant, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Verse 10, For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? For 100 years, the prophets have been prophesying since Azusa Street of 1906 to 1910 that there would be another visitation of the manifest, visible, tangible, whatever, what I call layer of the glory of God that I believe Habakkuk 2.14 refers to as the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. William Seymour, who was the pastor of that move in a little African-American church of about 30 people at first in, in, in uh, Los Angeles, California, Azusa Street, his prophecy was that the only difference between then and now would be that the glory would be stronger and more widespread. That we would see these pockets of glory all over, I believe, all over the earth. And honestly, church, I believe that's what we're seeing. I believe we're starting to see that. It's just that the layers of glory are increasing. And my hope, and I can't say this for absolute certainty, but I believe as I've paid attention to the voice of the prophets in the past several years, honestly, that just confirms this. Over and over. They're not referring to Seymour. Referring, they're just saying, I mean, people like Arthur Burt, who... You know, I think you were the one that told us this, was never one to say, it's coming, it's coming, da 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 And then all of a sudden, his message now, at the end of his ministry, the end of his life is, the fullness is here. <laughs> we walked into the healing rooms one night, and I got our team together, and I said, guys, Arthur just said the fullness is here. All we have to do is step in here and release it. Our job is really easy. Just step in and release it. Just step into the fullness. Now because of some minor, well not minor, pretty major in our terms, but in, because of some setbacks, am I going to shrink back from this? Absolutely not. I'm going to raise up greater is He that is in me than He is in the earth. <laughs> These things that I do, you shall also do, and even greater things. Bam! Uppercut. You know what I'm saying? I believe, honestly, this is right around the corner. And I, not, I am not one that believes Satan is kind of all-knowing. and uh, he, He's not like that. He's just a peon. He's a created being. Okay, He's not equivalent to God. But I think that he's lived a long time. And he's heard some things. And he's grabbing at straws, trying to press us down, trying to let us make us settle, churches like us, for something less than God's fullness of the glory to be released. Amen? David was strengthened by the Lord his God in the worst, probably... It had to be up there. He had a lot of worse moments, but <laughs> a lot of bad moments. Had to be up at the top of the list as one of the worst moments in his life. He found strength 
and the Lord is God. Colossians 3, set your heart, set your mind on things above. Be strengthened in your inner man. 1 Samuel 30, be strengthened by the Lord your God. And then this passage here in 2 Corinthians 3, we're alluding to Exodus 34. This is our inheritance in the end of times. Amen? David, do you have something you want to say? I just um, felt like, you know, the Lord has been reminding me just recently of that love. It's funny that He uses that scripture when you're getting knocked down. But love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I mean, the Lord's just been riding, just reminding me of this. And, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, just those two simple things. And I just believe that the Lord is just really reiterating that simple thing to us that we really just need. It's time to set our hearts on Jesus. Yeah. It's time to set our minds yeah. on things above and on the Lord. And yeah. really, with all our strength, and I've been singing to my kids at night one song after the next till they fall asleep. And, and the song that just has really been... A lot of times Judah, Judah will knock me and he's like, okay, you can get up, you can go. <laughs> but the Lord's been meeting me so much there, I'm like, no, I'm good, I'm good. I'll get up in a minute. You just go on to sleep, you know. And I just keep singing to myself and them. But, but the song that's really been getting me is that, Jesus loves me, this I know. You know that song? For the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. They are weak, but He is strong. You know, and just knowing that the, it's in His strength that He comes in. That He comes in with His strength. And in this time, so it's loving Him, setting our minds on Him first, setting our minds and hearts on Jesus, worshiping the Lord right now, just choosing, Lord, I'm going to worship You. We're yes. going to worship We're going to worship You in spirit and truth. And just allow in the strength of God, they that wait upon the Lord, He shall renew their strength. The strength of yeah. God to come in and then the, being consumed in His love. Oh, how He loves us. You know, letting these songs, I'm telling yeah. you right now, I just let the songs <laughs> of the Lord just wash over me. Oh, how He loves us. Like I could just sing that over and over and over and over. Oh, how yeah. He loves us. And letting the love of God settle and consume us, that then we can love our neighbors as ourselves, that we can love Him and love our neighbors. And right now I've seen the body of Christ like I've never seen the body coming before. I was telling yeah. somebody the other day, it really is like that line between the pastors and the body. You know what I mean? It's just totally being t torn down. There really is a coming together, a full body of everybody functioning together mm. and that fullness coming forth and just the body coming together and washing one another's feet. You know, I just really think that that, you know, how Matthew says, you know, how we've been talking about really wanting to access the heavenly realm and Byron was talking about how when you're washing the feet of one another and you're serving other, each other and sharing in each other's burdens and sufferings, that the Lord is there in a mighty way. It's so 
true. And like Matthew was saying about when you're worshiping and you're in the glory and then your kids are spitting up and, and you know, or, or just life comes. It's just like I feel like the Lord's saying, love me and love your neighbor. And in that time, even in that time, when you're, you know, changing diapers, when you're out at work, when you are serving others and loving others, you will experience the heavenly realm right now if we are looking for it. You know, if we just open ourselves up, Lord, show us your glory in the midst. Show us your presence in the midst. Because what he's want, he's, we are getting acquainted with him and his ways like we've never known it before. He's, his ways are being revealed to us like we haven't seen before. Yeah. And, and we can say, Lord, we want to know you and your ways right now. Yeah. You know. Man. So the Lord said, Chuck got this word during worship that the Lord really does want to pour out this morning on some people. So we just want to move into a time to minister, minister to one another, minister to the body of Christ. So if you, know, if you need healing, if you need restoration, if you're going through a really rough time, uh, and you want somebody to pray with you, I just want to invite you to come on up right now. And uh, if some ministry team people would come up here also. And uh, we're just going to let the Lord do what He wants to do. And uh, if not, you can be dismissed. So Lord, I just pray that Your blessings, the blessings of a dad, the inheritance of a father, Lord, I pray that it will rain down on Your church this week. God, I pray that your love would be all-consuming in every home. Lord, that your angels would surround every person, every home, God. We just plead your blood, God, over the doorposts of our lives. God, we just thank you for that. We give you glory and we rejoice in you and we worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.